0: Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 4. We are going to conclude our series on faith today, and uh, we've been having a good time. If you've been a part of it, um, I believe that your faith has been getting encouraged and you've been getting stretched. If you haven't been, uh, you can go to our website and you can get all of them via podcast and, and just catch up with us. I'm excited about starting next week's series. If you want to know what that series is, you have to go to our website. I'm not going to tell you say, so why are you doing that? Because it drives more traffic to our website. Okay. But we're going to have a good time starting that, uh, that new series. Um, but we're going to conclude faith today. And I want to read to you starting in uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 13. And then we're going to go from there over to Genesis chapter 15. And it says this in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 1. For the promise of Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs of faith, faith are, are to be heirs, faith is null, and the promise is void. Verse 15. "For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of. Of us all. Key phrase. We need to go and understand what took place in Abraham's life. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of of God in whom he believed. Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. Amen. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone. Come on, somebody. But for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for all our trespasses and raised for our justification. Go with me to the Old Testament, to Genesis chapter 15. Abraham, the Bible says, is the father of us all. What did he father in us? He fathered faith in us. The Bible talks about that if he's the father of faith, what was promised to him is also promised to us as heirs. Genesis 15, starting in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what shall you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my own house will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven. And number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Let's let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in just the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to us clearly through your word. That God, as we read what happened in Abraham's life, God, it would, through process, make sense to us and see how it relates to our lives today. That God, we would walk out of this place, God, believing you, trusting you, Hallelujah. challenged by your word, growing in our faith, obtaining greater promises, come on somebody, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. We started this series with Pastor Stephen kwisa who preached to a man from Uganda, amazing message and, and, and more than a message, this guy has lived a life of faith and now we started that series out with him just imparting faith to us and uh, just a fantastic message, go back and check it out. But we continued on this journey talking about Peter and how Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on water. That faith starts with just one step. If you never get out of the boat, come on, you'll never experience a life of faith. Peter had to take that first step to get out of the boat. And you see, most people, when they think about Peter, and I asked everybody, what do you, what's the first thing you think of when you think about Peter? They said he sank. I was like, you pessimists, all right? The Bible clearly says that Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water far before he sank. But you know what? You will never experience that kind of a life unless you take the first step. Last week we began to talk about this. We began to talk about killing the unbelief in our life. One of the greatest things, not the only thing, but one of the greatest things that keeps us from obtaining the promises of God is unbelief. We talked about that last week and how we can begin to kill the unbelief in our life. Today I want to talk to you about this statement that we saw in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham grew in faith. He grew in faith, and he goes on to say this, as he gave God glory. How many would say that, that you could use more faith in your life? Some of you? About half of you, all right. For the rest of you, this message is perfect for you. Really it is, because that means you're just living a mediocre life. <laughs> and God didn't call you to live a mediocre life. He called you to live a life of great things that, that would require you to have some faith. The Bible says this that to each and every one of us was given a measure of faith. That we have this measure of faith inside of us. God put it there. And in Ephesians it talks about that we're saved by grace through faith. Where did that faith come from? It wasn't yours, it came from God. God gave us a measure of faith. Why did He give us that measure of faith? Here's the thing God doesn't just do things just because oh that sounds good. I'll just do that. I'm just gonna give them all the No, God gave you a measure of faith because He knew at one point you were gonna need it. Come on, somebody. But not only that, he expects that it would begin to grow in your life. That faith would begin to grow and faith would begin to increase. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, you don't need faith for the possible. You need faith for the impossible. You don't need faith for what you can do, you need faith for what you cannot do. You don't need faith for the natural, you need faith for the supernatural. You don't need faith for the ordinary, you need faith for the extraordinary. Why did God give us faith? He gave us faith because he knew as a Christ follower that we should be in positions where we can't do it on our own, but we're going to need him. Are you with me? Come on. And if you've been walking through your life able to do it on your own, ladies and gentlemen, you're not living the life that God intended for you to live. I'm scared out of my mind about August 21st and launching the second campus. Freaked out. I'm either going to do one of two things. I'm going to plant that church up there on August 21st, or I'm going to run to Hawaii and go on a really long vacation. So if you don't see me around, just say, Hawaii has been there, okay? This is going to take a step of faith. This is going to require something that I can't do on my own. I, I, I I can't do this. I need God for it. That is the life that God wants you to live. God wants you to live like Peter standing on the edge of the boat. And here's something I've learned. It's not always about succeeding when you step out. It's about getting to the point in which you step out. That's, true. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, think, I mean, for me, all week long, anticipating our anniversary and, and, and thinking about, you know, all the things that are going to take place, and you have to stick around because we got the most fabulous cupcakes in the world. If you've never had cupcakes squared, you've never tasted heaven, okay? So if you want to taste heaven, see, we're going to let you taste heaven today at Urban Church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You didn't realize that, did you? Yeah. So stick around and get that. But all week long anticipating this weekend and thinking about it and the, the vision night last night and thinking about today and just praying, God, bring somebody. See, most people don't realize that, but every weekend I'm just like, God, could you just bring somebody? Just bring some people, please, Jesus. <laughs> See, it's not, like, it's not like school where you have to go. It's the law. <laughs> I've been working on them changing that. that They'll make it a law for you to go to church, but... And so every week, I'm just like, God, just, just bring somebody, you know? I don't want to just preach to my wife and my two children all over again, <laughs> you know? And so all week, I've been anticipating, but the journey of anticipation and just, just expecting what God, God, what are you going to do? Do you know that Paul said this when he was in prison? He was locked up in prison in Rome, and he, and he, and he wrote, and he penned a letter to the, uh, the church in, in, in Galatia, and he said this, hey, guys, don't worry about me, because I know it's going to work out according to my earnest expectation, Talk about a guy filled with faith. But he was sitting there writing as he's, you know, in prison. Guys, don't worry about me. That's going to work out according to that journey of just, man, how is it going to happen? How am I going to get out of it this time? He was in prison quite a bit. Sounds like some of you. (laughs) But he was wrongfully in prison. I don't know why you were there, but, You know. I'm going to work out according to my, man, there's something about this life of faith that, that's an adventure, it's exciting, and that is the life that God wants you to live. If you are living the Christian life the way God intends it, it looks a lot like Hebrews chapter 11, as we've been reading over the last couple of weeks. What is that? Well, go read it today, and you'll find out. See, I'm just, you're getting like, oh, I want to read it now. No, you have to wait, okay, until after you have a cupcake, and you leave, Yeah. And we've been asking ourselves this question, would our life fit into, the, into chapter 11 of Hebrews? This, that, 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 that women, by faith, raised their babies from the dead. Men were stoned and sawn in two and, and Ben surfed in San Diego, you know? <laughs> would my story really fit into that? See, God wants us to live a life of faith, but you know, we give our lives to so many meaningless things. We give our life to so many meaningless things. I played a basketball league on Monday night, and uh, we're one and one this time. Come on, somebody. There's hope for us. We finished two and ten last season. And just so they don't understand sports, that's two wins and ten losses or something. So. But we're one and one. We're, we're, like, we're like a 500 ball club right now. Come on. We should just stop right now, you know? And I love going and playing, and I get out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm much like I am right now. I'm passionate about what I do, Okay. When I'm setting up these chairs on Friday night, ask, ask them. They hate me when I set up chairs. I'm like, that one's, that one's not quite in line. They're like, how can you tell? And we get a, you know, a level out. <laughs> just kidding. But I'm passionate, so I'm out there and I'm playing. And honestly, when we lose, which was a lot last season, when we lose, I literally, it takes me like three days to get over it. My wife hates the fact that I play in the league because it's like, can you just get over it? And I think about it, and it's like, it's just a rec league, you know what I mean? It's a bunch of old, out of shape people like me. I'm not that old, but I'm out of shape. You know, and we're just, we're just playing, you know, and we don't really know what we're doing anymore, you know? <laughs> but I get so like, you know, and I think about it, and I'm just, I'm living for throwing a dead pig through a net. That's pretty exciting stuff, huh? You know? But people live for this. I mean, there's some people that their, their life ended after the Super Bowl. And they're just looking for it. God, I can't wait for the season to start again. Okay? (laughs) One of the weirdest sports, though, is curling. (laughs) You know the little one where they slide the little thing on the ice? Y'all need to watch the Olympics. Come on, somebody. It's an Olympic (laughs) sport for crying out loud. But it's the craziest sport in the world. One guy, he like, and they wear the funniest looking outfits ever. And they get up there, and they're so into it, and they just... And it starts to go. But then the sport gets weirder. Two guys with little brooms get in front of it and they're like, have you guys ever watched it? Or is this me? But then they're so into it, they start talking to that. I don't even know what that little thing's called. Maybe some of you do. They start talking to it. Come on, baby. Get to the line. You can do it. Come on. Just a little bit further. Oh, come on. And they're talking to it. This inanimate object. It has no ears. It has no soul. It has no feeling. They're talking to it. And these people are so into this little thing crossing the line at the right spot. What are we living for? What are we living for? I love the story of of Abraham in the Bible because in Genesis chapter 15, something happens to Abraham. Something begins to change. Something begins to snap. And now he is known as the father of our faith. He's the father of us all. And I I think that because he's called the father of us all, maybe we should just look real quickly at what were some of those things that took place in Abraham's life where he could get to a place where he was no longer living for himself, but he was living for generations to come. As it says in Romans chapter 4, that these things are not written for him, but they're written for you. Abraham wasn't living for for, for some little thing sliding. He wasn't wasn't living for some, some inanimate object or some frivolous thing. He understood that there was more to life, but it took something. It took his faith to grow and his faith to increase. Genesis chapter 15, here is Abraham. And I don't know if he's in a house or a tent, but as I see it in my mind, and I begin to picture the story, I see Abraham lying in a tent. And he's lying in the tent, and obviously he's discouraged because the Bible says that after these things, after what things? After he was blessed by Melchizedek, after he rescued Lot, all this great stuff happened. He's, he's lying here in his tent. Obviously discouraged because the Lord comes to him and says, hey, don't be afraid. I've got a plan. Why would God say that? Probably because Abraham was lying there thinking about his future, wondering, man, who was the heir that was gonna come from him that would take all of his stuff and continue this legacy. Here's Abraham and he's lying in his tent. We may never get to the points because I might just finish with this one right here. Because there's cupcakes waiting. Some of you are anticipating. There's like eight different flavors. Four, five, the number of grace. Perfect, we thought about that. Abraham's lying there. The Bible says that the Lord comes to him in a vision, begins to talk to him, and says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I've got great things in store for you. Abraham's response was not one of faith, like, God, I know. Of course you do. I never doubted that. His response, the father of our faith's response, was one of doubt, and are you sure you got this one, God? He says, God, you said you have it, but I don't even have a son to carry on the legacy. Now, if you read other portions of Scripture, the Bible says that Abraham was very rich in many things. And then he passed on his riches to Isaac. Okay, He had a lot of stuff. But his concern, I don't know who I'm going to pass this on to. I don't, I don't have a son. I, I don't have anybody to, to continue the legacy. He's lying there thinking about this. And, and God says, don't worry about that. The one that you think, Eliezer, the one that's not even your son, he's not going to be your heir. But I am going to... Give you a son, that'll be your heir. Romans chapter four. What did Romans chapter four say? The Bible says, and I love this statement, the Bible says that Abraham was as good as dead. How would you like that written about you? You know, someone's writing, yeah, you're, you're pretty much dead. <laughs> you know. The Bible says Abraham is good as dead, and then it goes on to say that, that, that Sarah, his wife, was also barren. So here he is lying in his tent, old man, Almost dead, the Bible says. Thinking about his legacy, there isn't one. Thinking about that his wife is barren. God shows up and begins to increase his faith. How does he increase his faith? He comes in and he gives Abraham a new vision. The Bible says in Proverbs Proverbs 29 that without a vision, the people perish. That word vision means prophetic revelation or, or to put it this way, it means to hear from God. Without hearing the voice of God, the people perish. They cast off restraint. They, they rule kids. There's nothing to live for. But with a vision. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Abraham's lying there. <laughs> it's over. I'm almost dead. Sarah, her womb's dead. This sucks. <laughs> he might not have used those words. Maybe it was something else back then. But This bites, you know, whatever. God shows up. Says, Abraham, listen to what it said. I want you to. I'm messing with all the points. Sorry. You probably didn't even do them this week. But he said, I want you to come outside. I want you to come outside. Come outside. And I want you to look up to the heavens. And I want you to see the stars. And I want you to number them if you can. In as many. As the stars are in the sky, so shall your descendants be. My God, listen to this. Inside the tent, he has a man-made canopy that he's looking up at and he can barely believe for one son. God begins to bring him outside of a man-made canopy and takes him under the God-made sky and now begins to challenge him not only to believe for one son, but to believe for generations that would come after him. God, in one moment, Begins to take his, his, his unbelief, his skepticism, his doubt, and begins to give him a new vision. And begins to pull him out and said, back here, maybe you can only believe barely for one son. But out here, I've got something bigger for you. I've got something greater for you. I've got a whole generation coming out of you, Abraham. Hallelujah. What, what, is that? what does that mean for me? I don't want that many kids. Use birth control then. <laughs> I, I don't want that many kids. What, what are you talking about? Abraham, his desire, his dream, was to have a son that would carry on his lineage. My question to you today is this, is what's your dream? What's your vision? What are you living for? What, what causes you to wake up in the morning does it take faith? I get up and I pour my coffee. Or some of you, you run to Starbucks. Literally, it's across the street, you know? What are you living for? When you get up in the morning, are you excited about what God's doing in your life? Come on. You need faith. Let's say, Here's Abraham in the canopy. It looks dead. My body's dead. In the tent back here, my wife's barren. when God begins to get a hold of him and moves him out from underneath his canopy, his tent, and brings him outside, the dead doesn't matter. Come on, somebody. The barren womb doesn't matter because all things are possible with God. His faith begins to grow because he begins to get a new vision. What canopy are you under today? What tent are you in? He had to get out from there and out here to see what God had for him. That was not the, uh, the, not the only time that happened in Abraham's life. A- Abram, whose name got changed to Abraham later on, God asks him to take a journey and to leave everything behind. This is what he says to him. I'm going to take you to a city whose builder and maker is God. Where's that at? Just start walking. And the Bible says he left everything behind to go to a city whose builder and maker was God not knowing, just walking. Okay, God, you, you told me to go. I'm leaving everything. So you have to get out from where you've been in order to get to where God wants you to go. Some of you, ladies and gentlemen, you are sitting under the tent of insecurity, and you lay there, and it's just, it's just, it's right there, and you can see it, and you're just like, Man, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. I, I'm not good enough. I've, I don't know if I could ever do that, and, and, you know, I just, you know, I've, I feel like a failure just laying here thinking about it, and God comes and says, I'm going to take you out from underneath your insecurity and I'm going to show you a new vision. You're lying under that tent of doubt, disbelief. I don't think this is ever going to happen. I don't know if I could ever do that. See, it's not about a natural move. It's about a spiritual thing. It's about changing your vision. It's about getting your eyes off of what? Oh my gosh. It's about getting your eyes off off of what you see and getting your eyes on what he said so that you can begin to see what he has for you. But if you stay, listen to me. He didn't say, Abraham, I'm going to put you into this, you know, deep trance right now and I want you to close your eyes really tightly and I want you just to envision the stars. No, he took him out. He said, look up at the heavens. So shall your descendants be. I got a question for you. What are you looking at today? You want your faith to begin to grow. Here's how Abraham's faith grew. His faith grew because he gave glory to God. How do we give glory to God? Very simply, we do what he tells us to do. It's that easy. Yeah. Do what he tells you to do. It's that easy. When you live a life of obedience, it gives glory to God, and your faith begins to grow with every step you take because we walk by faith, not by sight. It is time for you to get a new vision. It is time for you to stop looking inside the tent. Because when you're inside insecurity, you're inside doubt, you're inside fear, things look dead, things look impossible, but God comes along and begins to give you a brand new vision and says, man, your job will succeed, your business will happen. Come on, your ministry will happen. That marriage will come to pass. You will find the right one. Begin to get your eyes on me. Lift up your eyes to the hills. From where comes your help? Your help comes from the Lord. Today, your faith is going to begin to grow. Today, as you begin to change your vision, stop looking at all that other stuff. Stop laying there, wondering and doubting it, and start getting out and lifting up your eyes towards the heaven. I love this. Oh, wow. Inside the tent, we're gonna close here. Inside the tent, Abraham's vision was about himself. Who will be my heir. Who's going to oversee my stuff? See, when you're trapped, and that's what, the, listen to me, that's where the devil wants you, ladies and gentlemen. He wants you to be insecure. Because then all you can do is battle to get out of your insecurity. And it's all about you. Hmm. The devil wants you in that realm of fear, because then you're just like, I, And it's all about you. But when God took him outside of that canopy, it was no longer about him and his heir. It was about his kingdom come, his will be done. Inside there, you see one thing yourself. Outside here, you see, wow, there is something more worth living for. There are generations to live for. There are, there are people to, to live for. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go up there and we're going to start that campus It's not about us. It's not about right here. It's not about that. We could just stay here, and it could be about us. Or we could say, okay, God, we're walking in obedience. We pop our head outside the tent and say, my God, there are a whole lot of people in San Diego that need to know Jesus Christ. And we're going to do whatever we can to reach them in Jesus' mighty name. Inside the tent, it's about you. Outside, under a God canopy, it's about His will and what He has for you. And I believe what He has for you is a great thing, but it's going to take faith for you to get there. Hallelujah.